Sports World. It is podcast number 10. We have reached double digits on the Drew Goodman podcast with Julie Brownman. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am doing well. I want to thank, right out of the gate, I want to thank uh, our good friends at Ideal Home Loans because they're great. And without them, you know what? This podcast is not the same. Right. So if you need a loan, make sure you go see the guys at Ideal Home Loans. We'll talk a little bit more about them later, but uh, love those guys and have been with them for a few years. Hey, Adams County Fire Department. We yes. love our Adams County Fire Department. Yes. Any cool stories lately? You actually might have seen this on the news. You do watch the news, Yes. On occasion, I like more positive news than negative news. I'm done with negative. Okay, so this was a positive story. So we got uh, some good news coverage. We have a super station opening in Adams County. It's station number 11. It's basically 69th and Pecos. It's 31,000 square feet. Wow. It's huge. So all last week, we had all the stations out there. So that was my job last week. So how how many firefighters will be on duty at one time in a station that large? Uh, 10. They have a capability of 12. Wow, that's IT. a lot of space for ten people. Yeah, but they—it's like a—it's like a—it's a training center too, and we're gonna do one of our podcasts out there. I can't wait because I want. Can I do a drive along? Do I get to go on a you know drive what? along? This is the eighth time I've told you it's a ride along. It's a ride along. If you drove along, you'd be driving the fire truck, which is not. Which I'm not allowed to. I'm not exactly. qualified. You don't want me driving the fire truck. Hundred percent. So I'm, yeah. it's called a ride along. It's called a ride along. I can't yeah. wait. Um, we come to you tonight from the. Palatial. Speaking of thirty-one thousand square feet, this is slightly larger than that beautiful new facility up on Pecos. Uh-huh. The thirty-three thousand square foot Julie Brownman Studio that just right. recently opened for our podcast. It's time that we um, say actually where we tape it. We tape this podcast, the Drew Goodman podcast, in my bedroom. It's got the best sound. I don't know what that means. And, I'm going to get myself in a lot of trouble right now. But the, the here's the deal. It's it's just got, it's the best acoustics. So you're actually sitting on my bed. I'm sitting near my bathroom and Kristen's near the door. It's not very palatial. It's, you feel like your career is just going straight downhill. <laughs> flashing, flashing back to my beginnings <laughs> in the 80s. I had a perfectly good lie going, the uh-huh. 30,000 square foot nope. Julie Brownman studio. But now we are now in the uh, eight square foot... <laughs> That's why Bedroom podcasts are special. The closet that needs a new knob on it. We'll have to fix that. I know. Uh, I speaking of, um, well, I guess speaking of needs a little bit of work. You come, you're coming over. Rockies lost to the Mets. Hey, tonight. listen, the Rockies dismal year. We all know dismal second half, but playing good baseball in the in the final long home stand of the year, the penultimate home stand. I like that word, so I thought I would fit that. What in. What word is that? Penultimate. I don't even know what that means. That means second to last. Oh, the last is just a three game series against Milwaukee. Okay, uh, they lost tonight. As we tape our podcast, six to one, Charlie hit a, a home run into the third deck to in the ninth inning to avoid uh, a shutout. But the Rockies again have won six of eight, mm-hmm. and uh, they they've scored runs. They pitch much better, so it, it's been fun to see. And you know, a guy I'm really excited about, Julie, because so. we've talked about this the last couple of weeks. You know, if you're a Rockies fan, what do you get excited about? Why are you still watching? What are you paying attention to? Some of the young guys who are getting an opportunity like a Garrett Hampson. Garrett Hampson has made great strides in his rookie year, and he's finishing strong. As of coming into the ballgame tonight, he was 11 for his last 22 at the plate, playing great defense at three different spots, played a little Mm -hmm. shortstop, played a lot of second base, and he can run him down in center field. I'm excited about him. Where do you see him next year? 
That's a great question. Yes. Because is he a super utility guy mm-hmm. or does he have a chance to play more regularly, maybe in center field? I mean, the Rockies mm-hmm. are, are, depending on what they do in the offseason, I think it's going to be a fascinating offseason. Do they make a significant move trying to help out in the pitching area? But I, Garrett Hampson is going to be a big part of this team next year. One of the things we talked about earlier, it's um, the start of the season has a special feeling because it hope springs eternal, right? And the end of the season, you know exactly where you are. You had mentioned there's there's two months of the season that just lie, that you can't base what the team is on these two months. One happens to be March, which is the end of spring, which spring training, end of spring training. And one happens to be September. Yeah, and what I, what I mean by that is that individually they can lie for instance a guy hits 350 in march well a young guy now i'm not talking about the arenados and the blackmans and the stories of the world you know who those guys are they're established stars in the big leagues but young guys and you say well okay he had 350 but was he getting most of his hits and at bats off double a guys for other teams and triple a guys that are young and trying to make it or was he getting you know, hits off of the Justin Verlanders and the Garrett Coles of the world and the, you know, the, you know, the Clayton Kershaw's established big league pitchers. So you have to be careful with how you appraise guys in March, especially honestly in the Cactus League where there are more robust numbers offensively put up in the Cactus League. The other month that you mentioned is September that can mislead at times because if you're playing a bunch of teams that are out of it in September and they're playing guys deeper on their 40-man roster and so you have a young player and he has good numbers but again who did it come against? Which is why I actually like where the Rockies our schedule from a schedule perspective in that you know they're playing the Mets right now team fighting for their playoff lives they're going to play Milwaukee at the end of the year the Dodgers even though they have the division wrapped up they're playing you know hopefully for a home field advantage if they get to the World Series again so you're playing teams that have a lot on the line therefore those young guys that are playing are playing against top flight competition that aren't just going through the motions you know, a couple guys that have shined in those situations um, in the bullpen is Diaz and Estevez, right? I mean, they're playing against that good competition, which in a season where you're just looking for these bright spots, it's like, all right, we can take something here that we're learning right now and hopefully apply it towards next year. Because in that, in the bullpen, God, you you have to apply something. Hey, we always endeavor on the uh, Drew Goodman podcast with Julie Brownman to be honest. Yes, we don't lie. Like we, we did not lie. We told you we were coming <laughs> to you from the palatial bedroom of Julie Brownman. Right. I tried to lie, but <laughs> she was having nothing of that. Uh, the bullpen's had a bad year, right? Started yeah. out okay, but it's been a bad year. And some established star-level relievers have struggled this year. Wade Davis has struggled. I love Wade Davis, but he's had a poor year. He'd be the first mm-hmm. to tell you that. Brian Shaw, up and down. Last year wasn't strong. So you're starting to say, okay, who who's going to step forward in that bullpen a year from now? Carlos Estevez, who you mentioned, as of tonight, as of our taping, eight and two-thirds of not only no-run baseball, I bet you didn't even know this, Julie, and you study everything, eight and two-thirds of no-hit baseball mm. over his last bunch of appearances mm-hmm. as an eighth-inning guy. And Jairo Diaz, three for three in his last save opportunities, um, he's he's really done a strong job against 
good competition. So those are two guys that are going to figure prominently, one would hope, next year on the plus side. And I had somebody on Twitter ask me, um, you know, what what do we mean when we say on the plus side? What we're talking about is late in ball games, seventh inning, eighth inning, ninth inning, when the Rockies are holding a lead. That's not a blowout. They're not up 12 to 1, and, and you hopefully can pitch just about anybody. You know, it's a two-run lead. It's a one-run lead. And they're entrusted with you know, holding on to that lead. So that's what we refer to as the plus side. But I, I think those two people, those two guys that you mentioned, Carlos Estevez and Jairo Diaz, very much have, have shown well here of late to put themselves in that mix next year to pitch late in ballgames. Speaking of pitchers, can you give us a quick injury update with a couple weeks to go in the season? I see on AT&T Sportsnet, you guys are doing an update on what Kyle Freeland is doing, reading his comments. The last thing that Kyle wants to do is go into the season still rehabbing, right? I mean, he wants to get out there. No, exactly. And and that's why it's important. He threw what's known as a sim game today, a simulated game. Sims, short for simulated. Mm, right. So smart. Yeah. And, uh, how about that? Um, and, and threw the ball pretty well. He was excited about how he threw it. I think you're going to see him get a start or two before the end of the year. When I say a start, he's not going to go out and try to throw six or seven innings. Mm-hmm. It's throw two innings, 30 pitches. Maybe he goes three innings and 45 pitches. And this way he can you know, hopefully pitch well and, and take some confidence into the offseason and just go into his normal routine and, for the most part, take that and put the rest of 2019 behind him, learning experience as great as he was in 2018. This year was tough, so I would look for that uh, in the uh, in the you know last twelve days of the season. What about Marquez and Dahl? Do we have a done? Herman uh, okay. threw one hundred and seventy five innings. Herman's fine; he's healthy, but there's no reason to run him out there again mm-hmm. and you know let him rest and then pr- start preparing for twenty nineteen or twenty twenty. Wow! And <laughs> in the case of David Dahl. David's walking around great. He's moving. He's doing baseball activities, but there's not a lot to gain by saying, "Oh, hey, we'll we'll get him ready to play the final, you know, weekend series against Milwaukee." So again, he'll go into the off season in a situation where he can train for next year, as opposed to continue to rehab and then train. Okay, one thing we want to do before we we are going to speak. There, you spoke to Nolan Arenado, a fantastic interview. It's perfect time. He plays third base he for does. the Rockies. He's a good player. Yeah, I mean, if you like, you know, generational players, right. I guess. Right, and he's pretty good. He's okay. We want to mention, we did not announce our winner. We've done this contest all month that if you retweet and subscribe, you win the book that you wrote, If These Walls Could Talk. So we have two winners to announce tonight. You ready? Do we have the drum roll? Just imagine it in your head. Or maybe we'll actually get that edited in there. Uh, Mike Evans, a good friend of both of ours. Mike Evans from the fan. <laughs> yes, he, he retweeted. Won? Yes, and he—you have to autograph it. What are you gonna? What are you? I, I'm a huge fan of of Evans and Schlereth in the morning. By they're, the way, they're two—they're two, they are they're two friends of ours. So that's great. Right. So Mike and Stink in the morning. Okay. So what are you going to? If you're going to personally autograph Mike Evans' book, what are you going to say? I would like to get up and listen to your show, but. In, in, <laughs> All honesty, I don't get up and listen to your show as much as I used to. Dude, they get off at nine. You I don't know. get up I am, at nine. No, I am. I am up. I'm, okay. a, I'm a big fan of Mike. Mike. Mike always has to be the contrarian. I'll give him a little. I'll give him a little. Uh, uh, I'll give him a hard time. A little shit for being the contrarian. I That's like Mike. Mike's great. Mike's yep. great. He's been a. He's been a good professional friend. And yeah. And Stink and I used to be neighbors. 
I got a great stink story. Do I have time what's to tell a stink yeah, story? Yeah, what's about him and his lawn? Is well, it about his lawn very, and the, no, or going to the bathroom? Well, it's it, neither. It, okay. But it is... It is kind of yard work. Okay. So this is this is the absolute absolute true story. Stink. Um, many many years ago, my kids were young and we lived in the same neighborhood. He lived two houses up from me. And at the time, Daniel. This is how long ago. Daniel was twelve years old. Daniel uh-huh. who pitched in the big leagues for for several years. Former number one pick, of Arizona. Daniel, according to Mark, he he wanted him to learn a work ethic, which is great. We want all our kids to. And he was twelve. And Mark would tell me he goes i was doing the nuggets back then and he said hey listen if you're out of town ever just give me a call and it snows so chris doesn't have to you know get up and you know and, and shovel the driveway i'll send daniel down he'll shovel your driveway and i said dad this is great no problem but i appreciate it so i get in from the west coast after a nuggets game at like four in the morning and it's a saturday night sunday morning deal and it's during the broncos season so, and this is during Mark's career. Uh-huh. So, Mark is playing a home game that afternoon. Around eight in the morning or somewhere in there, I, I mean, I'm, I had only been asleep like two and a half hours. I hear like scraping on the driveway, you know, somebody's shoveling the driveway. I stagger over to the window and I look outside, and there is Stank, who's going to start <laughs> at left guard for the Broncos in a few hours, uh-huh. and Daniel shoveling oh my, my driveway oh and i'm like okay do i go out there <laughs> and say get out of here guys i'll shovel my own driveway or am i too embarrassed to do that and too tired right and i'm like hmm. i'm gonna go back to bed i went back to bed <laughs> so i was going to the bronco game that day and and uh-huh. with the broncos win i go in the uh i go in the locker room after the game i go up to stink and i go dude what were you doing shoveling my driveway the morning of a game and he said, I told you, man, I got to get that kid a work ethic. <laughs> so he was out there with, true story, he was out there with Daniel, day of game, shoveling my driveway. You owe him a book then. You also should give him an autograph copy. I'm going to give him an autograph every book. copy. Uh, our other winner also is Thanks Todd. Thanks for doing my driveway. Exactly. Todd Rosenberg. Todd Rosenberg also retweeted and subscribed. So both. Thanks, Todd. Yeah, Todd and Mike. Well, we will send you books. When we come back, we are going to get to the interview with Nolan Arenado. You want to hear this. Lots of uh, interesting insights into what Nolan thought about the season. Hey, we were talking about them earlier. Our good friends at Ideal Home Loans, Brent Ivinson's company, started in 2001. They're local and they're on it. The phone number up front, write this down, is 303-867-7000. That's 303-867-7000. Ideal Home Loans is the preferred mortgage provider of the Colorado Rockies for the third consecutive year. And if... uh, you have to get your loan done, or if you have credit card debt, give them a call. They're going to settle your debt. They're going to help you out and put together the absolute best loan for you, the best rates available. And you know the rates are terrific right now. So if you're buying a new home or you're thinking about refinancing, it's a no-brainer. Call Ideal Home Loans, 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They're absolutely terrific. They're a local direct mortgage banker. You'll be glad you did. Tell them Drew Goodman and Julie Brownman sent you. Ideal Home Loans also brings us our interview every week. Got to sit down with Nolan. I always enjoy spending time with the Rockies' superstar third baseman. And we began our conversation talking about his cousin, Josh Fuentes. Should I push these buttons right on the novice with this? All right. 
Here we go. You and your cousin are more like brothers. Yeah. How how fun was it, and how proud were you of his uh, recent accomplishments, especially when he hit that first home run? Yeah. Well, obviously, very proud of him. You know, I think to go from a guy that's not drafted, um, work his all the way up. You know, he had a repeat, I think, low A or something, and he got moved up to high A. Just to see him evolve and, you know, there's people that a lot of people that would quit, or you know, it's not easy road being, especially being a non-drafted guy, and uh, to see him be here and hit a homer in the big leagues, and we've turned double plays together already, throwing him across a diamond, it's been pretty surreal. Um, it hasn't really hit us, I think, just because you're in the moment, you know. But I think this off season when we have like Thanksgiving dinners and uh, you know Christmas Eve parties together, we're gonna be like, Dan, can you believe we were in the big leagues last year and like we were turning double plays and hitting homers in the same game? So I think it'll hit us then. Do you get emotional at all? I mean, you're, you're in the middle of the game, so it's hard. But, I mean, I know you're a sentimental guy, and then you see, I mean, again, he's like your brother. He's yeah. like an ex, and, and he goes and does that, and you know how hard the road was. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I you know, I think you, you, you start to look back, and you're like, man, I can't believe, like, this is a kid, like, we grew up, our family, and, like, you know, played football growing up together, been around, fought together, you know, we fought against each other, you know cry together you know so it's been cool to see that it's it all come together right now and uh, to see them here so it's been pretty emotional i know our family's super emotional about it and uh, i'll let them be the, the most emotional about it was there a point in time by the way where you guys were working out in the off season and you go you know what i think i think he can get there i yeah. think the swing has come around you, you saw things that were big league yeah i think after his double a season you know because I, I know the first half of double a hit like 240 and then he ended like the second half he hit like close to 400 and he ended the year like at 315 with 15 homers and he just came in the off season a lot more confident and then we went to go play winter ball like, you know, I could tell he wanted it. You know, he wanted to go play baseball. He wanted to be a baseball player. And, uh, you know, I see a swing and, and the, the will to get better and learn and constantly work. I mean, he'll take to just as many ground balls as I will. And, you know, just seeing that, I knew that he had an opportunity. And, uh, you know, he was playing well, man. He was doing a good job. He's hanging with some of the, you know, you, you know, you hear about the top prospects in the game and you see that he's competing and hanging with them. So you're like, okay, well, if he's hanging with them, then he must be doing something really well. How proud are you of your overall consistency? Well, I'm very proud of it. You know, I think, you know, I've, I've really tried to be as consistent as I can. And that's something I always say and I always try to do. It's not easy in this game, but this far, you know, with 11 games left or 12 or whatever, I, I'm very happy that I've been able to stay as consistent as I can. Is that number one, when you look at all your accomplishments, 40 plus home runs, all the RBIs, the, you know, the spectacular plays seemingly on a nightly basis, but the fact that you post up every day, is that is that number one maybe for you? Absolutely. I think you know, I work really hard in the off season, and I try to focus on my work during the season too. But I always try to make sure that you know I get my body in shape to like play games. You know, to make sure I'm out there every day because I feel like if I'm out there every day, I feel like the numbers are going to be there. You know, I always try to remind myself of that so I don't. You know, don't don't get me wrong. I have my stresses and I get you know upset and I, you know, I start to worry that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, that that all goes through my head. But what always helps me come back and always clears my mind is that you know I. I've, I'm going to be out there every day. I feel good. As long as I feel good and I'm out there, I feel like I'm going to do what I got to do. Why are you better and where are you better now than you were last year, than you were three years ago, when, five years ago? Yeah, I think it's just slowing the game down. I think I've done a really good job this year compared to last year at this time of slowing the game down a lot more, um, understanding that I don't have to do too much to make a lot happen. I think I've learned that this year is that, hey, I don't need to be super jumpy at the plate and all those little things. You know, I, I, I got to let them come to me and all that. You know, these guys throw so hard, I just got to make contact. You know, it's going to jump. You know, so I think I've learned that a little bit more this year and, throughout my career and I think that's really helped me this year slow the game down be okay with you know you know 
taking a pitch or not, you know, just because you don't get your pitch doesn't mean that the bat's over. You know, those little things like that. When you're in the weight room in the offseason, when you're taking ground balls in, in Orange County in the offseason, when you're in the cage in the offseason, what drives you? What motivates you? Because, I mean, listen, you've already put together a hell of a career. But, but what gets you going every day to get prepared for when you report in February? I think when – I think, obviously, I just want to be just a really good baseball player, do my job. I want to help this team win. And I think um, – you know, I see some of these great players in the game that are uh, accomplishing some great things, doing special things, and I'm like, well, I know I'm doing those, but I want to do it to a different level too. You know, right? I, I mean, I don't want to be. I think the last thing I want to be is content with what I'm doing. I think that's that's a trap. Um, I've I've fallen in those traps before, and I think that's where I find myself getting in trouble. So I don't want to be content with anything. Obviously, I'm very, when the season's over, I know I'm going to be proud of what I've accomplished this year, but I still believe that I could do better why not you know i i'm not saying like, there's always something to reach you know there's always a goal to reach i think that i just try to keep my mindset on those goals i was talking to bregman when uh when you guys were playing houston and we had an interesting conversation you know he's character yeah. and and he said um he said his dad called him that morning and he said hey you know I'll, I'll clean up the language a little bit he goes get in that box like you know you mean to do business he goes i've been watching you lately and you're just kind of sauntering up to the plate that's his dad now i know your dad a little bit and i know your mom um does it sometimes come from somewhere else where they'll say hey come on man let's get it together yeah yeah oh absolutely you know i my dad's always getting on me for little things and hey like you know use the whole field you know you don't have to just pull the ball or you know hey to take your single take it to right you know all those little things and and i appreciate it but definitely i have trainers and coaches and mental coaches that i talk to and you know they push me to get better and uh, you know always say go step in that box confidently you know and i always i got people that put me in check for sure and it, it helps me a lot and i'm very thankful for them periodically i've asked you through the years i said all right what rank your your top defensive plays you made a play the other day back to the infield that I think could have gone to number one in my book for whatever that's worth. Where would that play have ranked had you? Unfortunately, it was a little short hop, and Dom had the yeah. baseball got kicked out at the last minute. Where would that would have ranked? Oh man, I think I didn't realize the significance of the play until I saw the replay. I'm like, man, that would have been a, a crazy play because of how much I, how far I ran. I didn't really realize it in the moment, but I wish I would have made put a little more on the throw. But it definitely would have been close to the tarp. I probably the tarp plays just because i hit it hard and it hurt <laughs> but that play would have been up there man it would have been a great double play huh so i think just i think whenever you can turn a double play like that it'd probably be up there at the top what's the most fun play for you i mean you come in better than any third baseman I've ever seen yet first of all i would say you got a, you got a gold bare hand not just a gold glove but but the pops where you're having to run in in foul territory or the short left field what what's kind of your favorite play to make that's that's a difficult play yeah i think the spin in the five six hole is a tough play you know it makes you spin and makes you get enough on the throw and makes you hit him in the, the target and the backhand down the line is a hard play just because you're running away from the base and you got to put something on it those two plays are really hard they seem easy but they're not um you know especially if it's just kind of like a regular backhand it's still a hard play so you know when i watch those or when i do those those are the ones i'm really proud of and uh Obviously, the diving plays, they're all special plays. But those ones, because they're kind of borderline routine, or not routine, but they look like they'd be routine, but they're really not. They're harder than what people think. One of the things that's always impressed me the most is your, I don't like this term, but I'm going to use it. I think we use it too much in sports. Oh, he has high baseball IQ. He has high basketball IQ. I mean, what does that mean? I know what it means, but your internal clock, for instance, you made that, that play, and I'm trying to remember who was running. You had a plus runner at third. But in your mind, you didn't hear, you didn't have to wait for somebody to shout, he's going. Going, yeah. you instinctively knew he may take off so you spun and threw a, a strike to yeah. dom that may be 
of many great characteristics defensively. For me, one of your best characteristics. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. I think, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's kind of half and half, right? Like, I feel like I can make a play on anything. You know, I feel like I, I want to get outs. I feel like I could do it. You know, I see things, you know, I see things a little bit differently than, you know, some, when, I, when I try to explain what I was trying to do, they're like, well, why would you try to do that? I'm like, well, because I saw this, and I feel like I had a chance. If I made that throw where I wanted to, I think you put a tag on him. It would have been an out. You know, it, it's, it's worked out for me at times, but, but then at times, you know, when we were playing the Dodgers, and then Butera was running the first, remember, and vacated, and I feel like I had him at home still. And, you know, he's like, well, I didn't think you had enough time. So, you know, maybe it was my – and maybe I should have just turned the double play. But I was so – you know, I kind of com- put it in my head. That but that's I, your creativity yeah. too. Yeah, and I, I still believe I could have had him at home, but – you know, I told, I convinced myself before the play was that if he hits it slow, I'm going to go home, you know, and I felt like he kind of hit it slow, but at the same time, I still could have turned it and I wish I would have turned it. But, you know, at the same time, like I said, I, I just feel like I could make some plays on that and, you know, I'm just trying to save runs, man. You know what I'm saying? And we could, there's only so many runs we can give up, right? I mean, so I'm just trying to save as many as I can. Let's get to this year for, for uh, a moment. Obviously very disappointing. Last two years, you guys are a playoff team. Last year, within a you know a whisker, winning the division for the first time ever, and when the expectations are high and you have a tough year collectively, it has to be that much more painful, I would think. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it, it's it's definitely been disappointing um, losing like this, and uh, you know I don't know where we're gonna go from this. I don't know what the move is gonna be, but <coughs> sorry, um, thank you. But you know it's uh, it's frustrating. You know it's frustrating losing like this. Um, you know. I don't want to say, you know, I, I don't want, it sounds bad when I say this, but, you know, I didn't want to sign here to lose like this, right? You know, I, that, that wasn't the goal, you know, and I know that's nobody else's goal either, but, you know, it, it stinks because, you know, you want to win and that's all you want to do. And, uh, you know, when you sign long term, that's all you have is, uh, what, do I, what do I have left in this game is to win. And that's all I want to do. So it's been frustrating, but at the same time, you know, we're growing, young guys are getting better, we're getting experience. All those little things are, you know, starting to play a part and helping. Is it hard being a veteran player now not to play, you know, GM and, and, and almost make moves and say, hey, maybe I would do this or do that because you have so much invested here? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think exactly. You know, I always try to play GM and I'm always wrong at it because, you know, I always want to sign obviously the best guys, you know, out there. But that's not realistic. So but, you know, I think. It is frustrating, you know, and I know the GM's got a tough, you know, they have a tough job to do and they got to make sure they do what's right by them and by this team and stuff like that. But uh, at the same time, you know, when you're a younger player, there's a lot to play for, right? You're playing to make the team, you're playing, you know, some guys are trying to make sure they get a head, you know, head start in the spring training, um, arbitration, right? You know, all those little things, those are all little things that, you know, go through your head, you know, in this game. So, you know, in my position, I'm not, you know, I'm done with those things, right? You know, I'm signed, I'm here. And so the last thing I want to do is lose, and the number one thing I want to do is win. When you look at some of the young guys, um, who gets you most excited about the future? I know you don't want to uh, not include somebody, but but when you start evaluating some of your teammates and you say, you know what, a year or two from now, this guy can be real impactful. Who comes to mind? My first guy I think about is McMahon. I think McMahon's got the potential to hit 30-plus homers. 300 you know walks a lot um plays a good defense um i think he's got a chance to do something special in this game if he can you know he's he obviously we all got to get better in this game but he's got to get better right he's going through those young moments where those struggles like that we all went through but he's shown some serious power i mean his power is ridiculous um but you know there's some things he's learning about himself that i think he's going to carry on in the next couple of years but i think he could hit 30 plus homers and hit 300 when you look at the pitching, it's always going to be a challenge here. Um, there are going to be crazy games played at Coors Field. You've been here a long time. You understand that. Last year, you made the postseason because you had a really strong 
uh, rotation. Uh, you know, some there were some guys had bumps in the roads this year. Uh, obviously, can this team consistently pitch enough? here from what you've seen to be a division winner to be a championship contender like everybody wants yeah well i think there's obviously our pitchers we, they need to get better we all do we all have to get better but they need to get better um we, we need i think i think if you see the best teams in the game they have depth right i think the dodgers are a perfect example of a team that you know they have a rotation but if someone goes down they have someone that can plug in right away i think we've been fortunate the last couple of years where our rotation has stayed healthy and this year we're learning that that's sometimes not how it works out, right? You know, it's baseball. You're not going to be healthy all the time. And, you know, I think we need depth uh, there because some of these guys are going, you know, they're going to grind through the season and there's different grinds, there's different body, you know, you start to feel a little pain here and there and maybe guys need a break. So I think for us to get to where we know we need to have a little bit more depth up there and then we need some guys obviously to step up and just continue to get get better. All right, last one, a fun one. Obviously you've been fortunate monetarily in, in, in this game. You don't come across to me as a material type of guy. Do you have something that you that you purchased that you go, that was fun, man, I really enjoyed it, or maybe you purchased for somebody else, somebody in the family, you go, you know what, that was really cool that I'm able to do that. Yeah, I, I bought a... 1974 Westphalia Volkswagen bus um and that is probably the best purchase I've ever had in my life and uh that, you know I'm obviously very fortunate to buy those things right you know I'm in a great position I thank God for that and but I love that car and uh so I have that bus and it's like a big sur- you know it's a surfer van you know what I'm talking about right so and, and so the, that that's my favorite purchase I've ever had um it's such a cool car I can't wait to drive when I get home um it's kind of funny I've been I've been telling my dad to turn it on because you got to turn that thing on because that thing's going to break down pretty quickly but that's probably my best purchase my is it, is it like orange it's a it's like a grayish greenish color but it, you know it has like little like drapes on it and the, for the windows the cover and and stuff like that the seats are great it, it's pretty awesome that interview, of course, brought to you by Ideal Home Loans. Some of my favorite athletes or attributes of my favorite athletes that I covered are guys that you know are millionaires that could afford any car that they want, but they they drive a, a Ford. They drive sometimes the car that they drove in high school. He drives, Nolan drives at Westphalia that he just bought that I can completely see him out on the beach surfing. Like he's such a California kid. That's so California, though. That's isn't so it? California. He's got this mid 70s Westphalia that he's cruising around. And like you said, forget buying any car he wants. He's got enough dealership. You know, he's he can buy, buy a dealership. He can buy a plane. He can buy, right. you know, multiple large homes like yours anywhere he wants in the <laughs> right. world. And he's got his Westphalia that he's cruising around our OC in. OC, that's cool for Orange County, by the mm, way. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are I'm so hip. So cool. I'm so hip. I'm so California. The thing about Nolan that is so great to have on the Rockies, but also a little scary, is that he's not just satisfied with money. He's made a just signed a 260 million dollar deal. It made millions before that, but winning is what this guy's about and what he he has to do. I think to feel like his career was complete. He's ticked off, and and you want that. He's mm-hmm. upset. He's angry. Yes, personally, he's had another terrific year, but he wants to win. And I think for players, Jeff Houston, my partner on AT&T Sportsnet and, and a very dear friend, he said as a major league player, the first thing you want to do is get there, right? The second thing you want to do is stay there. The third thing you want to do is get paid, right? Mm-hmm. You want to stick around long enough now now you're making you know serious jack 
And then the fourth thing is not that you don't want to win throughout the whole process, but then the fourth thing is once once you have the the contract and and you know you can rest easier that you are going to take care of yourself and your family financially. It is one hundred percent about winning. That's where Nolan is right now. Obviously, even prior to signing this eight year two hundred sixty million dollar deal, Jules, he had a lot of money. He had been making good money for a while. I mean, right. he even said at one point, he goes, listen, I'm, I mean, Nolan's one of those people, he's not going to change. He said, I've already got more money that I forget how he said it than I could possibly spend in my life. So it's about winning. And, and there were a lot of shortfalls that were revealed this year with the Rockies when there were some injuries and the Rockies didn't have the depth and mm-hmm. some guys didn't perform as one would hope. So, you know, he's upset and he wants, you know, he, I know he's, thinking about the offseason and how the Rockies collectively can get better so they can get back to where they were last year, a chance to win the division. How much power does Nolan Arenado yield? Like if some that guy starts getting vocal about some stuff, um, I don't know. I don't know him like you know him. It doesn't seem like he's that. I mean, I've, I he's he talks a bit in the media. He's not, um, I don't know. How much do his words, are they listened to in the I, organization? Well, he has great respect because of not only what he's done on the field, um, but how he carries himself, his work ethic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think certain athletes like that, they have a ton of clout. Uh, you, you know, you, you never want the old line about the inmates running the asylum. Right. But when you have a guy that has such grand respect, has done what he's done, I think if he were to you know, privately, I don't, I'm not big on making public proclamations, but privately said, Hey, you know what? Not that upstairs in in the Rockies, you know, where the power brokers and the, in the baseball operations, not like they're sitting back going, Oh, well, this was, you know, ho-hum, you know, just an aberration. No, they're upset too. I mean, Dick Montfort, you know, Dick Montfort's upset. You know, Jeff Breidich is upset. You know, all the people underneath him are upset. Um, so now it's about, you know, how can they realistically go about improving where they need to improve? And and I'm sure at some point in time, you know, if, if he's asked his opinion or or perhaps he'll, as he gets older, not afraid to, you know, pass along his opinion, whether it's on young players or on, you know, how, you know doing what he can to influence and, and help mm-hmm. uh, the Rockies do what everybody wants to see and that be in line to try to win a championship. It's not often that it, maybe we get to do it in this town once or twice a year where you cover a generational player. Like, I guess I could think of, um, you know, from every team like hockey when Sackick was here, or the Forsbergs or, you know, um, Nathan Kinnan, maybe a generational player. But when you think about Nolan, what kind of characteristics does he have uh, as the other generational players that you've covered before? Is there a common theme? Yeah, I think, Julie, there is. And I, w- and I would go beyond sports. I would say that people who have unbelievable success and sustained success share probably several traits, but one trait And he kind of alluded to this in the interview. He's never content. They're never satisfied. They're never, well, it's okay. I put up similar numbers to last year. They're continually driven to get better. 
in everything they do for an athlete, like everything they put in their body, how their workouts are constructed, you know, who's training them, who's advising them, tinkering where they need to, mm-hmm. to continually get better. And, and I think that's true, not only in athletics with his, which as you put with, you know, the generational athlete, like a Sackick, like a, a Forsberg, like clearly a Nolan Arenado. I think it's the same in the arts. I think it's the same in, in music. It's the same in, in business and in industry. The elite are so driven they're maniacal in their pursuit of excellence they're a bit of tortured souls though sometimes of course they are of course they are and that's why sometimes you'll find these people who are uber successful and they seem like they're joyless and i'm not saying that that nolan is but you know you see him grinding away even when josh fuentes who you know he's like loves him like a brother they grew up together and you know, he hits his first career home run, and then he hits one later in the week. And Nolan, you know, gave him a quick hug and a high five, and he did take him out to dinner. But it, it wasn't like, you know, bear hug and pick him up and, and roll him around in the, in the dugout. It was like, okay, great, good job. But now he still has that steely focus trying to win a ball game. Uh, you mentioned joyless. Were you talking about the Broncos, what we just saw? Uh, there is no joy in Mudville <laughs> as a baseball line. There is no joy in the Valley right now. That um... – you know, I'm not surprised that they're 0 and 2. I'm not. Uh, we differed. We differed. I didn't I didn't I wasn't surprised that they lost in Oakland. The way that game ended against the Bears was such an up and down experience. They've dug themselves a pretty big hole going to Green Bay. That's for sure. The one thing that's surprising me, which I think is um not not a surprise to anybody is defensively. Like this was supposed to be people talk about the Broncos being so young. They're not young on the defensive side of the ball. No, they're not. They're I mean, not. They're in their window on the defensive side of the well, ball. I mean, it's Von Miller, not a young player. Chris, Chris Harris, Harris, not a young player. So, you know, your two biggest leaders on that side of the ball um have Derek Wolf, not yeah, Derek Wolf's now, you know, longtime established veteran. So I agree with you. They have not been dominant yet defensively, and and they've been, you know, the best thing I can say about their offense so far is I'm thrilled that Emmanuel Sanders is playing like the Emmanuel Sanders we remember prior to tearing his Achilles. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was sensational the other day, uh, but they have been. I, I said this after Week One. They have been under whelming and now you go to green bay and that's a tough place to win and i think green bay played better in week two than they did in week one and you're facing you know a hall of famer in aaron Rodgers. did you see emmanuel sanders comments about garrett bowles did you happen to see that um he said that i just saw it today he said they're his they want to be good teammates but it's wrong to say that it's all just going to be okay it was interesting. Good. There has you know? to be urgency. I applaud. He's not throwing a teammate under the bus. I applaud people when, when they have a sense of urgency and they don't speak in cliches all the time. And Emmanuel Sanders is a good interview. Mm-hmm. Emmanuel Sanders is candid. And Garrett Bowles, I give him credit. He met the media afterward and he was you know, despondent and he, and he, he apologized, which... I don't think you, you you necessarily have to apologize because I know th- this is a young man that gives great effort. I've you know met him once or twice, and he's he's a he he strikes me as a as a kid that really cares. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had a holding issue now, whether it's 
in the NFL, you get a reputation. And now it's easy to throw the flag. And let me. You're l- so much nicer than everybody else. He's had a holding issue. Well, I, I, here's here's one of my problems right now. Okay. Okay. Because yes. every week I have a problem, right? <laughs> every week or every day? Every day I have a problem. I just speak to it once a week <laughs> on this little show we do. Okay. I am so friggin' tired of the flag fest that has become the NFL. If you came from another country, a foreign land that was unfamiliar with football, and mm-hmm. I sat you down next to me and I said, this is important shit to Americans, football <laughs> on Sunday. It's what we do. Right? Yeah. This is important. This is a big part of the fabric of our country, and it's exciting, and we love it as Americans, and and we're fascinated with it. Right. And this person sat down, you started explaining to them, and they watch, and there's like one play every five minutes because there's six flags, and then there's a review, <laughs> and then there's two more flags, and then a coach wants to know the interpretation of, the, of what was yeah. just thrown. You're right. There's too many damn rules now. And I understand it's all spawning from the lawsuits and and head safety. I get that. There's still too many damn flags. They have a thing where if you think you see a foul, throw the flag. I think it should be the opposite of that, Julie. If you are not 100% positive that a foul was committed, don't throw the flag. Let's have some continuity and flow to these games. Well, especially when you're talking, I think, are you talking about the Bradley Chubb? I'm talking about it in general. I've mm-hmm. pontificated on this for the last couple of years, saying the NFL at times is unwatchable. Mm-hmm. And I love football. Mm-hmm. I have done a lot of football. I continue to do football. I adore the sport. I played it for 11 years, never, you know, near where they're playing it. Yeah. But I love the sport. And I find it at times, as I said, unwatchable. That Bradley Chubb call that was an attention. absolute friggin joke i feel like you're where getting- where the uh, the official who's watching that the referee's protecting the quarterback how does he look at that and go oh yeah that's it wasn't late it was perfectly on time it was not a blow to the head it was not pile driving the quarterback into the turf that was flat awful if that's a if that's a penalty, if that's a flag, then the whole game is going to change, right? I mean, if that's what you're going to call, then you got to you got to change the entire game. I feel like you're 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 giving Garrett Bowles a pass. He needs to be better. He he absolutely needs to be better. And some people go bench him. Do you understand that you carry like eight offensive linemen, and there's a reason he starts because Mike Munchak, who is universally regarded not a hall of famer universally Mm -hmm. regarded as perhaps the best offensive line coach in football Mm -hmm. he believes he's their best left tackle and you can say no no he's starting because he was number one pick two coaches ago he's now in his third year if he wasn't good enough they would have somebody else in there because they they would say well that guy's better evidently whoever the Option two is, is not as good as Garrett Bowles demonstrates in practice. We're going to have our second fight. It's the same thing with Pax. You know, I again, I'm the meaner person on this podcast. It's the same thing as Paxton Lynch. A first rounder gets more opportunity than an undrafted guy or a sixth rounder. I mean, they're going to give Garrett Bowles every single opportunity and probably more so. And I think that that's what we're seeing now. 
they have more money invested in them. I do understand that. And if we're still talking about this a year from now, or maybe mm-hmm. even six, eight weeks from now, Julie, then then you're probably right. They're going to find a solution that may not include Garrett Bowles at left tackle. Um, can you tap dance for me? I'd like to do one thing before we end this um, podcast. You do this for a living. You should be able to... Tap oh, dance. to tap dance while you look something up? Yes, yeah. on your on your phone? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, I, never mind. You know There's a terrible job of tap dancing. Well, you're already ready? I already found it. I thought I did yeah. a terrific okay. job then. So before we end the podcast, we do want to remind people that we have a website, thedrewgoodmanpodcast.com, and that's where you can order your book. You can get it autographed, and you can also find our podcast on there. If you don't, you know, if you're not at iTunes or you're not on Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeart, you can also, there's a contact tab. You can submit a question. And we have a couple questions, but we're just going to read one right now. And we'll we'll read everybody that submits it, really, unless it's totally obnoxious. We will read your um, question. Cool. There. Yeah. What do we got? Okay. This is from Andrew Quinlan. Andrew's question, we're back to baseball. In talking about our bullpen and our starters recently and Randy Johnson's birthday, do you think he'd be the Hall of Fame pitcher he was if he were to be pitching in the league now, where 100 plus isn't all that big of a deal? Yes, I do. I think great in any era is great. Randy Johnson, once he got his command, because early in his career he walked a lot of guys, mm-hmm. he he would be super dominant. And it's not like Randy Johnson threw 45 years ago. I mean, Randy Johnson, yeah, he threw hard. Now there's a lot more players that throw hard. But six foot ten, uh, arm angle, uh, hit spots, nasty slider. Randy Johnson would be great if it was 1920, 1970, 1990, 2020, 2140. Randy Johnson would have put together a Hall of Fame career. Okay, one more. This is Kristen in Highlands Ranch. She wants to know, if you had to bet your mortgage on it, would Garrett Bowles be at left tackle next year for the Broncos? Yeah, you and Garrett Bowles aren't going to be chilling in nolan's westphalia anytime soon. <laughs> no, i know that's why i feel like a terrible human being right now but it's a legitimate question yeah so i'm gonna say garrett Bowles can you know gets better and he's not getting called for holding penalties and okay. protects the left side okay great that's the end of our questions if you want to submit a question just go to the drew goodman podcast.com and we will read your questions on the air so when do i go on the drive along that's coming up down the road it's after a ride the along. season I, I keep screwing it up it's the yeah, ride along yeah you do yeah. I think there's probably some paperwork for you as well. Sign my life away. You sign your... Well, no, because you're going to be in trusty hands. It's going to be fantastic. We will do our our podcast at some point soon from Station 11 from Adams County Fire. Hey, by the way, by the way, before we depart, mm-hmm. and big thanks to Nolan and yeah. Ideal Home Loans for providing that interview. Who do you want to hear from next week? And also, maybe going into the offseason, because we're going to be talking more football in the offseason, we're going to try to get special guests, but maybe people can email us yeah. as to who they'd like to hear, because we always bring an interview, you know, right. usually 10, 12, 15 minutes, who they'd like to hear from. That's a great one. The DrewGoodmanPodcast.com or your Twitter is at DrewGoodman42 or I'm at Julie Brownman one who do you want to hear from? I mean, we can, because you're going to go out and do a lot of these nuggets. Avalanche had their first preseason game tonight. I don't think that was on TV, by the way, but that's a whole nother. Oh, I know. We'll talk about it later. I'm not happy with that. We'll talk about it later. We'll see you next week for podcast number 11. 
Thank you for listening to the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. Remember, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And remember, check out our website at thedrewgoodmanpodcast.com. 